Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us on this Tuesday afternoon. It's a football Tuesday in the Magnolia State. Well, I guess technically in the Lily, the Yellowhammer State, because it's South Alabama that is hosting Southern Miss tonight in a little college football action, a little fun belt Tuesday night. Richard Cross. Yeah, the fun belt. Michael Borky. That was his voice. Brian Haydad coming to you from the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort. This is my voice. Yeah, there you go. Pearl River Resort, home of the sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. You can learn more about them online at pearlriverresort.com. If you would like to be a part of the conversation, we'd love to hear from you on the C Spire text line. Introducing the new Connect and Protect plan from C Spire. The phone your kids want with easy-to-use parental controls for you. And it's just $30 a month with auto pay. Learn more at cspire.com. Cspire, customer inspired. So, got a couple of guests coming your way this afternoon. Uh, one is, I think, I think a first-time guest. If not first time, it's been a long time. Uh, and one is familiar. Luke Johnson will join us. We'll talk about the Southern Miss game with him coming up about half an hour from right now. And then to start the 4 o'clock hour, former Mississippi State Diamond Dog and now Big Leaguer and Big League All-Star Brent Rooker will join us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Really, really good season this year for Brent Rooker with the Oakland Athletics. Mentioned it a second ago, he did make the All-Star team this year uh, and so played in that game. In 463 at-bats, he had 114 hits with 30 home runs and 69 runs batted in, hit just a hair below 246, which there was a time in Major League Baseball where you go, he hit 246, what? And he stayed up the entire year and he got nearly 500 at-bats. But in today's game, you hit 30 bombs, I don't really care what your batting average is. Uh, And it was a really good season for him. So we'll look forward to to the uh, conversation with Brent Rooker coming up uh, to start the 4 o'clock hour. So 
Hey, Dad, I know that this is less than your favorite topic, and we really don't have to spend much time at all on it. But I do think that there are a couple of interesting quotes worth bringing up from Washington, D.C., Capitol Hill. Today, for the 10th time since 2020, college sports and NIL had a moment on Capitol Hill. The Senate Judiciary Committee today hosted a legislative hearing featuring um, Charlie Baker, the new president of the NCAA, Jack Swarbrick, the outgoing athletics director at Notre Dame, Walker Jones, who is the executive director of the Grove Collective, which is Ole Miss's NIL platform, but he was there representing the 25 collectives, now it started out at six or seven and it's up to 25, that make up what I think Michael Borky affectionately referred to as the collective collective. That's right. Was that, that right? The collective collective. The collective collective. I like that. Yeah. Um, so the NCAA wishes for there to be a federal NIL mandate that includes an antitrust exemption. They don't want to be sued for antitrust preemption over state NIL laws, and codifying that athletes are not employees. So basically, they are asking Congress uh, to make them a cake, put icing on them, and allow them to eat it, too. Pretty much. That, that That's kind of what the NCAA is asking. Now, there is some serious relevance to the revenue-sharing piece that I think that all of those clowns on Capitol Hill today just completely missed because they all talked about other ridiculous stuff. Even targeting penalties were brought up today in the hearing. Because that, because, yeah. Um, but, but that keeps. Do you think they know that the NCAA doesn't really have anything to do with Division no, One college football, FBS not. college football? I mean, and, and you had Joe Manchin today say, well, if they want to make money, they should just go from high school to the pros. Yeah, Joe, how about you read. Literally anything before you get up there and question and, and make a law, like read something, anything at all about the thing that you are going to question people on. Uh, up next, absolutely. Roger Goodell will be appearing before yeah, Capitol Hill. I mean, absolute fool. But that component is what needs to be the focus of the messaging, and it's not. If you do revenue sharing, the sports that don't generate any will go away, and that's bad. That is a message that everybody can get behind. Volleyball is important. Soccer is important. Tennis is important. Golf's important. Not to the masses, but having those programs exist is so important to, or for so many reasons. So many young people that wouldn't go to college otherwise get to go because of those programs. Preserve that. That should be the whole thing you're screaming about. Is we got to figure out a way to keep that part of our deal. Instead, it was targeting penalties and Joe Manchin's garbage and Lindsey Graham's garbage, and the whole thing was a joke. Lindsey Graham did have a couple of interesting quotes. Hey, Dad would like to remind you that this meeting comes as the 118th Congress is currently dealing with a war in Ukraine, the Israel-Hamas <laughs> conflict, a looming government shutdown. Which was mentioned a presidential election on the horizon, and the House attempting to elect a new speaker. 
plenty of time for college football. I actually muted Ross Dellinger today. I was just like, I, I, I'll, I'll come back later, Ross. I can't deal with you today. Isn't that very fitting, though? I mean, tune in to, to Gallo tomorrow at 6 for more. But isn't that really fitting that we have real-life problems, both foreign that we are directly or indirectly involved in, depending on what website you want to read, uh, our biggest ally in the Middle East is dealing with what they're dealing with. And here, domestically, I mean, have you guys been to the doctor lately? You wonder how much that costs the average person? Uh, <laughs> can I raise my hand and say yes? Yeah, I mean, we, just had, gonna... we just had surgery for a broken arm at a children's hospital out of state. Yeah. It included an ambulance same, same. ride from Oxford to Memphis. I, I, I'm, I, I promise I'm not looking forward to getting that bill, but Jane and I have decided, have discussed, yet any guess what this is going to cost? Oh, I, I just, no clue. I, I would be stressing every second until it comes, and then when it comes, I'd be even more stressed, we to, but we need to make that the tiebreaker on the next Polk's pick six. <laughs> How much is Richard's what, medical bill? What is going the out to be? of pocket expense for Francis's yes. broken arm? But, but we've got right, real yes. life stuff like that g- yeah. going on, and Congress spent hours. Yeah, well, today. They're, they're capable of multitasking. It was just oh, a committee, yeah. so to- here we go. Totally couple, capable of it. A couple yeah. of co- quotes that stood out. Uh, Senator John Kennedy, always colorful, the Republican from Louisiana, said, you guys might want to pump the brakes. He said, quote, I would strongly encourage you and your colleagues to try to get together and come up with a new system for us to consider. It looks like somebody designed it on purpose. You may regret asking Congress to intervene here. All of a sudden, you're going to be micromanaged. John Kennedy Regular listener to Sports Talk Mississippi, clearly. Smartest, Thanks, Senator. Smartest thing that was said today, and I'm not being sarcastic. Uh, Charlie Baker, president of the NCAA, took a big old swing at Walker Jones. Um, Walker Jones said, in responding to a question about Title IX concerns, emphasized that collectives are creating more and more opportunities and deals for female athletes. He's actually talked to us about that. Um, and Charlie Baker's response was, with all due respect to you, Walker, nobody knows what is going on. It's a guess and rumor. When people say we're doing much better when it comes to women's student athletes on NIL, I don't know if that's true. Wouldn't Walker Jones, in representing 25 collectives, actually know if they are doing better than they were doing and are providing more and more NIL deals for female athletes? It, I mean, it, it seems like he might actually know what he's talking about on that front. You, you would think, considering he is the one that is managing the money that is going to at least one set of female athletes. But that's... Oh, a couple more real quick. We're up against a break. Also, as it pertains to Walker Jones... Lindsey Graham, the senator from South Carolina, pushed Walker on who the highest-paid college athlete was. And after some waffling, he cited LSU gymnast Livy Dunn, who on threes NIL valuation says uh, is about $3.2 million, to which Lindsey Graham responded, if this committee and Commerce Committee doesn't act in about a year, this thing will be a mess. You're going to destroy college athletics. Thank you, Senator Graham. So he still got the imaginary I mean, friend, or is that? 
I mean, you know, these politicians on both sides, they've destroyed the country. We might as well just go ahead and get college football destroyed, too. Let's just destroy it all. Start from scratch. One other thing that Walker talked bunch about of, was bunch of morons. that uh, NILs were ready for governance, oversight, and a federal standard. Sports Talk Mississippi, we'll be back with you right after this. Exciting news. Brace yourself. More Sports Talk Mississippi. Now. Now. Major League Baseball front, the Rangers are up two games to none over Houston, and they are headed back to Arlington for games three and four. That'll start tomorrow night. They've got game two on the National League side of things. Philadelphia won game one over Arizona last night. Game two, just after 7 o'clock, you want to watch it. It is on TBS tonight. You also, as we mentioned earlier, have college football coming your way tonight, and uh, that includes the Southern Mississippi Golden Eagles. They are in Mobile to uh, take on South Alabama. Game kicks off at 6.30 on ESPN2. Two other games tonight, 6 o'clock. Middle Tennessee is at Liberty, where Liberty's a 14.5-point favorite. Western Kentucky is at Jacksonville State. Jacksonville State coming in 5-2. and two. Western Kentucky is 4-2. and two. That one is in Jacksonville, Alabama, and then uh, again in Mobile, uh, where Southern uh, South Alabama is an 18-and-a-half-point favorite tonight over Southern Miss. Total in that game is 51-and-a-half. So you got some options tonight. Tomorrow night, a couple of games with FIU and Sam Houston and uh, New Mexico State and UTEP, and then Thursday night, Rice and Tulsa, James Madison and Marshall, and then uh, we just – Wait, we have no Friday night games this week? There are no Friday well, There has to be Friday night games. There has to be a Friday night game because we have 50 days of football. There has to be a Friday night game. Why is it not listed here? What am I missing? On this schedule I mean, I don't, for, I don't know. Uh, for ESPN, it skips from Thursday to... Skips from Thursday. Okay, there's a Friday one. There it is. SMU Man, at say that. Yep, SMU at Temple. Ooh, stay up late for that one. Uh, no, you won't have to. It's the only game, and it kicks at six. I, I know that the, the TV networks say jump, and everybody else says how high. I, I'm I'm curious to see, and this is kind of how my nerd brain works. Uh, what the rating for the Southern Miss game tonight is? Uh, some, tomorrow, sometime when they come out, they don't usually publicize the. Midweek ones, I'll probably have to wait until next week when the whole chart comes out. But uh, last week's Appalachian State game, uh, Appalachian State Coastal Carolina, right, did over 500,000. That is a really nice number for a Sunbelt game, for sure. Um, but last year when Southern Miss played a, a weekday game, it was the Louisiana game, right? And it was under 200,000 people watched that game. And I, I've wondered if the leagues are going to look at the numbers and figure out is it worth it 
because we love, you know, the college football sicko loves the, the midweek football. And, you know, sometimes we'll get Colorado and, and get to watch that collapse, or, or we'll get a really good Thursday night game involving Pac-12 teams or, or whatever, or Big 12 teams. So sometimes you get the marquee stuff, but but Maction doesn't actually rate that well. Fun Belt Tuesday did last week, but I'm curious to see what tonight looks like because is an extra 100,000 viewers on your game on television worth completely ruining making money on the game itself? If this game was in Hattiesburg, how many people would go? 5,000? Less? Probably. Who can go to a football game on Tuesday night? Not many people. So I I wonder if they're going to look at it from a cost-benefit analysis perspective. The pushback that I would have on that is the conferences are agreeing to these games because it's what the networks are willing to pay for. That's and that's so, why I led with, you know, TV networks say jump yeah. and you say how high. Yeah. I mean it's it's about content for them, it's about programming for them and um you know, is it good for the sport? Is it bad for the sport? I, I don't know. I mean certainly we would not enjoy we would watch, but we wouldn't enjoy having SEC football games on Tuesday nights or Wednesday nights. But then the other part of it is it it does provide kind of a standalone platform for some of these schools that wouldn't otherwise have that. I mean, when uh, if if Middle Tennessee and Liberty were playing this Saturday, it would just be lost in the shuffle of 40 other games. But because they're playing in a standalone slot on a Tuesday night, and, and by the way, the CBS Sports Network game last week, the Middle Tennessee game, who, they beat, I don't remember who they beat. But that game had, I don't know, somewhere between 500,000 and a million viewers on CBS Sports Network. I think. I don't think I'm making that up. Um you know, if Western Kentucky and Jacksonville State were playing on Saturday, one, it would be streaming only, and two, outside of friends and family, nobody would watch. But if it's the only thing that's available, you got people that will watch. For for what it's worth, uh, Temple Tulsa on Thursday, mm-hmm. September twenty eighth, five hundred sixty thousand people on ESPN. Okay, that's really. I mean, you'll you'll take that. Uh, Jacksonville, Sam Houston on ESPNU did 74,000 on the same night. Yeah, it's a small number, but fewer people get ESPNU and fewer people go there to, uh, to actually watch. And here, here's your real comparison. Same channel, Saturday, better teams, South Alabama, James Madison Mm -hmm. did less than half that. 30,000 is what they drew on on Saturday. So, so there you go. I mean, that's the point. Nobody really watches ESPNU. And in a sea of all the other college football on, you know, it just gets lost. Yeah. It does. It, it takes one of those special game days away. And, I mean, I guess you, you got to, if you're one of these programs, you got to deal with it, right? I mean, it, it is what it is. You need to make money somehow. I, I do wonder how much fans like it or dislike it. You know, does it like Southern Miss fan listening? Do you like that your team's on television tonight? 
where you can pull it up. You don't have to find ESPN Plus and you know tell your dad how to pull up the streaming service, and then you got to pay for it and all that. Where it's just easy to find by yourself. There's baseball playoffs, but nothing else going on. <laughs> or do you hate the fact that it's not on Saturday, so you could go? I would hate it. If I were a Southern Miss fan, I would hate this. It would bother me. Because you got, uh, you know, most, not most people, I guess, but people have kids and there's other stuff going on. Life happens on Tuesday. On Saturday, it's, you know, you're not working. You can go to the game, but even if you can't. Yeah, but wouldn't you guess that more Southern Miss fans are going to watch this game tonight than would watch an ESPN Plus game on Saturday? Maybe so. I mean, I, I would think that the answer that, to that you, is yes. I also would think that USM, Hattiesburg being a big, the bigger city than Oxford or Starkville that it is, and USM not being a long drive from Jackson or, or, or anything like If this game was in Hattiesburg, it would be an easy, you could get there and be back in time and go to work tomorrow and not, not kill yourself doing it. It's a little bit different than Saturday, though. But point well yeah. stated. And... No offense, other Miss fans. It's not like Saturday they've been showing up anyway. Ben says um, he, he agrees with my point. Says, however, what is sad is that when Southern Miss plays Mississippi State, it's going to be sad how non-competitive Southern Miss will look in that game. But the smaller programs oh. do need a spotlight. Oh, don't worry too much. <laughs> Might not be that bad. Robert in Oak Grove says, I like it because I don't have to switch back and forth between the other games. And, and the truth of the matter is, for a lot of schools that are not part of big conferences, many of their fans are also fans of other teams. That might be less so with Southern Miss than a lot of other places, but I would guess that the nah, some significant percentage of Arkansas State fans are also Arkansas fans. Coastal Most Carolina schools, fans have a Clemson or Carolina lean in, in yeah, that state. Too. Louisiana, Monroe, and Louisiana well, Lafayette, and Louisiana Tech are LSU fans. Well, I, I was with the exception <laughs> of Louisiana Lafayette, most of the other schools' fans in the state of Louisiana are LSU fans. Most Cajun fans hate LSU, which is they're the only group in Louisiana that does. I would guess that most South Alabama fans are either fans of Auburn or Alabama. I say all that just to to go to Robert's point of if you're not at the game and you're a fan of a team your your team that is playing, but you also have a, a secondary team or another team that you like, then yeah, you're flipping back and forth throughout the course of the game. Tonight, you just get to kind of kind of lock in. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming it. Supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. We'll go to the Farm Bureau guest line in our next segment, and uh, we'll visit with Luke Johnson. We'll talk more about this matchup with South Alabama. It's obviously been a struggle this year for Southern Miss. What can they do to get things moving in the right direction? Is there anything that they can do? We'll talk with Luke about that coming up next. More Sports Talk Mississippi now. Now.
promised, we go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. Luke Johnson joins us. He's co-host of the Eagle Hour on uh, Super Talk Mississippi Laurel and Hattiesburg stations, and uh, you can get it online at supertalk.fm as well. Southern Miss and South Alabama tonight. South Alabama is an 18.5-point favorite. And ESPN's matchup predictor gives the Jags an 87% chance to win the ball game. Uh, Luke, I mean, it's no secret that it has been a struggle for the Golden Eagles this year. One and five on the season. They win the season opener against Alcorn State, and since then it's been tough. That, that week two matchup with Florida State, even throw it out. Got to look at the rest of the way. The losses are not super lopsided. Uh, at least not the three conference losses to Arkansas State, Texas State, and Old Dominion. But it's five losses in a row, and that is a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, and, and the first half of the schedule was where you were hoping to get, you know, 60, 60% of your wins on the season. And so that's where you're, that's where you're, uh, what makes it even more difficult. Um, we had Kane Womack on the Eagle Hour yesterday. You know, he's, of course, former Southern Miss football player, and he's a friend. And, you know, one Great. thing that I've, yeah, one thing I thought that was interesting that he said was he said, I've seen the best out of my football team this year, and I've seen the worst out of my football team this year. And I think Southern Miss, uh, I think Will Hall would say this as well, like he hasn't seen the first part of that comment. And so you've seen this football team just face adversity. The worst possible things can happen situationally, or you make the worst possible mistakes at the worst po- possible times. But they really haven't put it together. I mean, the offense will show up, or and then the defense have a bad, or or vice versa. And so I think Southern Miss fans are just saying, you know, what would happen if if uh, all three phases? Because there's actually been some weeks where special teams didn't play well either. So what would it look like, you know, if if they clicked in all three phases? And so you know, tonight, um, what's becoming a really good rivalry game? Um, and you know, Southern Miss has not beat South Alabama. They played three times and they've lost all three, but. You, you feel like, uh, because of what this rivalry is becoming in the other sports, uh, it's a game tonight where you, if you're Will Hall and Southern Miss, man, you throw everything, you throw the whole kitchen sink. Trick plays, surprise, onsides, whatever. You know, we, uh, I think I told you maybe last week they had kept practice closed last week. And so the Eagles will do something different tonight. What it is, whether it's, you know, more super back or whether they try to change the pace of play, I'm not sure, but, you know, there's a reason why uh, we'll, you know, close practice last week, and I think it's they think if they do certain things, they, you know, have a have a chance in this one. Well, that's kind of where I was going to go next. I mean, when you're one in five, clearly what you're doing is not working, and yet the idea of making some wholesale change in the middle of the season is, is kind of hard to do. I mean, even if you have a couple of extra days to get ready for a game, fine, but you you can't just change everything. And you can't change personnel in, in the middle of the year. The roster that you've got is the roster that you've got. So you think playing faster, going to a more of a, a tempo type thing is something we see. You think it's a deal where, you know, maybe it's not just Billy Wiles we see at the quarterback spot. What, what can they do differently to give themselves a chance? I think, I think that's what they have been asked. How do we get a spark? Um, and so – we asked Will last week after Old Dominion, you know, have you reconsidered anything at quarterback? And he made no indication that they were going to, to change at that position. So, but it wouldn't surprise me. 
you know, if you have, uh, if you see Carson Edwards, not because I, I, you know, wh- whatever reason it might be, you just gotta have a spark. I, I do think they, they will try to get Dre Clark more carries just because we'll acknowledge that. And he's been, he's been the most explosive runner on, on the football team through, through six games. Um, the, the problem is South Alabama is only averaging, they only give up like 112, 113 on the ground per game. And if that's, if, if you're not going to be able to run the football, you've got to do something different, whether it's, you know, uh, quick, quick passing game, doing something, or, uh, they really, you know, within Superback, they've kind of shown more of a heavy package than, than what they've shown the last couple of years. So I'll be interested to see if they nuance the Superback as well. Is this season disappointing for uh, for Frank Gore Jr.? Uh, and I don't mean in terms of wins and losses. I mean in terms of, of production because he was so good a year ago. And the, the kind of lasting image is from the bowl game where he just went absolute bonkers. And yet this season it's been kind of meh. Yeah, it's one of those where he gets usually his good games is where uh, there's momentum that builds, and then in the third and the fourth quarter, that's really where he's has been his strongest. And of course, you saw that in the bowl game. And you know, some of these games, like like against Old Dominion, he just never got started. And uh, I, I feel like um, if you want to see him perform in the third and fourth quarters, they've got to find lanes in, in the first and second quarters, and they really haven't, you know, been able been able to do that. Um, one more matchup that, that's interesting tonight. Southern Miss has kind of been decimated at the secondary position. It was already a, a place where they lost a lot of starters. They lost Quez McNeil again, or lost another one in Quez McNeil. So Zay Franks, uh, out of McGee High School, who three weeks ago was a wide receiver, he is starting tonight at the, uh, boundary corner position. And, uh, and so, you know, that, is, well, I'll tell you about, I think he's at field. I'm sorry. I think he's at field corner. He, he's going to have Jay, Jay Stanley with him at safety, which, which helps. But South Alabama has uh, a, a wide receiver, uh, Colin Lacey, who already has over 700 yards. Other than one game, he's got over 100 yards receiving in, in, uh, in all the other games. And so uh, that's going to be a matchup tonight to watch if they try to, to go after Franks. I mean, Old Dominion only threw at him like two or three times. They got one long play, but Carter Bradley, you know, has been able to throw the ball some and, Southern Miss is just real, real, um, you know, it's just been hurt. I mean, uh, Tolls is out and other guys are out. Now McNeil's out. Avery Hobbes, uh, should play more tonight, which, which helps. Um, but you just got to wonder. And he had a nice uh, game against Old Dominion. He had two sacks. Yeah. Two sacks. Yeah. Pretty remarkable. Um, the offense has to do something tonight, not just from a points perspective, but you just cannot stay on the field the entire football game. Yeah. Um, you mentioned a second ago that that Kane Womack has seen the best and the worst of his team. The best is probably going on the road and winning thirty-three to seven against Oklahoma State. And Oklahoma State had not settled on a quarterback at that point. Mike Gundy just kind of let it play out. And I mean, you look at this Oklahoma State team, they're heating up and playing pretty good football. So that's a really good win. What's the worst of his team? Is it the way they played against Central Michigan and losing that game? Is it the season opener against Tulane where they lost by 20? What do you think that is? I think he would probably tell you it was James Madison because they feel like they should have won that one on the road. Both in the James Madison and Central Michigan game, they gave up like two really, two or three really big uh, plays on defense. And that was the difference in the game. 
And, uh, I mean, that would have been a, a really nice win for them on the road. No doubt. Um, but losing two in a row like that. So, so two in a row. And he mentioned yesterday, just the games that they've lost, they've given up some, some plays on defense. So, you know, Southern Miss knows that you got to take advantage of some chances tonight. Um, Central Michigan attacked, uh, tempo wise with, with South Alabama and got some points in that way. I don't want to get you in trouble by asking this question, but you know, you're a big boy. You can handle it. Um, do you give Southern Miss a, a chance in this game tonight? Do you give them a puncher's chance? I do. And, um, because I think that it's a, it's a situation where, there are no, I was talking to a guy today and he said, that, he said the same thing. At one in five, there are no moral victories. And okay. if you can believe that there are moral victories at one in five, then you probably don't know what quote victory is <laughs> or you've never experienced it. So I know Will Hall's not looking for any moral victories tonight. I know, you know, guys on this football team not looking for any moral victories. So with that said, I mean, it's a pretty desperate Southern Miss team, right? I mean, this is, this is it. It, it would take a miracle to, to get to 500. I get that. And it would, you know, it's, it's not going to happen, but at least it, you can start that if you win tonight. You can at least salvage something if you win tonight. A game where you're not supposed to win, a game most people don't give you a shot in. Um, I've been in those situations before, you know, as a former player and you know, the only people believing in you is who in the locker room. And uh, sometimes we were able to pull some stuff off like that. Yeah. And I, I, I guess. My my final thought in that is just kind of roll it out there and see what happens, right? I mean, I, I mean, you, you better play well, you better play hard, you know, kind of lay it all out there. And if you do those things, then who knows? See, see how it shakes out. That's the thing. You have absolutely no pressure as you're in Mobile. There's no pressure on you. I mean, there's, there's absolutely zero pressure. Uh, I do want to mention this before we get off. Pretty cool this week. Uh, Southern Miss, uh, got the men and women's preseason basketball players of the year. Austin Crowley on the men's side, Dominic Davis on the women's side. Media days was today and tomorrow. It's pretty cool. They got, uh, preseason players of the year on both sides. Yeah. Very cool. Congratulations to, uh, to both of them. Hard to believe it's almost here. Uh, last thing for you. We were talking about this before the break. We've got, uh, like 45 seconds. Are people, do, do people like the Tuesday night game? I think so. I mean, it's, if it was somewhere else, I mean, you can make the trip down and back. You know, it's like an hour, 20 minutes, hour, 30 minutes. So from Hattiesburg. So if it were somewhere else, probably not so much, but yeah, I mean, you're on ESPN two, you're a network game tonight. I, I like it. I, I, it's more exposure. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks, buddy. See you guys. Luke Johnson joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Mississippi Farm Bureau. We will wrap up the 3 o'clock hour on the other side of this timeout. It's time to get real. Real sports talk for Mississippi. It's time for you to get real with it. Sports talk Mississippi continues on Super Talk Mississippi.
David on the ceasefire text line. If I give each of you $500 and you have to use it to bet tonight's game and you get to keep the winnings, who are you picking? South Alabama laying 18 and a half. The total is 51 and a half. Uh, uh, I'd probably take South Alabama. Yeah, I would take South Alabama. Just, I mean, I just don't have a lot of, of confidence in USM over these past few weeks. And going on the road, Tuesday night game, odd atmosphere. I, I you know, they've, they've lost all these close games recently. Sometimes when you get into a losing streak, you have a bad one. Maybe this is it. South Alabama coming off a 55-7 to win over ULM. They played James Madison close. You heard Luke say that um, Kane Womack thought that that was a game that they should have won. Southern Miss in their most recent outing coming off a 17-13 loss at, uh, at Old Dominion. So Southern Miss started the year with a 40-14 to win over Alcorn State. Since then, they've lost 66-13 on the road at Florida State. 21-3 at home to Tulane, 44-37 against Arkansas State, 50-36 against Texas State, and then the low-scoring loss to Old Dominion homecoming last week, 17-13. The close game thing is fascinating, right? Because it, it can be spun one of two ways. And, you know, the truth is probably one for some and one for the other, but you're playing a lot of close games, which means you are close, right? But also, you are losing all of those games, which means something is wrong, whether it be coaching or, or whatever. And so, you know, like Arkansas, for example. Why, why is Arkansas losing close games? I mean, they played three straight road games against what are objectively good football teams. And they played well, but they still lost. Well, is it a credit to Arkansas for playing well in Baton Rouge down to a last-second field goal? Having a fourth-quarter lead in Oxford? Having the ball down two in the fourth quarter in Tuscaloosa? Or is it a negative that Arkansas was in that position in all three of those games and didn't win? You know, which side are you on? What spin would you would you prefer with these teams? Hey, Dad, is kind yeah. of, haven't you generally said bad teams find ways to lose close games? Yes, and yeah, yeah. when you when you aren't winning and you don't know how to win, yeah, bad teams lose close games. I mean, that's what I talked about Nebraska over the last couple of years, where it's like, oh, they keep losing all these close games, and well, it's because they don't know how to win, you know. And and eventually, I guess it regresses to the mean if we want to talk about like long term, but that may not be in this season. So that's kind of where you know, if you ask me, with a, if you ask me right now, is Arkansas just a hard luck team or are they a bad team? Yeah, I've watched them play. They're they're not a good team. You know, I don't think their offense fits what their their talent is. I think they don't have a lot of playmakers outside of quarterback because with with Rocket Sanders being hurt, and I think defensively they're they're good but not great, and and that's that's not enough. So yeah, if you ask me about Arkansas, I would say yeah, that's a bad team. Before any Arkansas fans get upset, before Hogman wants to say anything, Mississippi State's a bad team too. Let's just yeah. you know let's be clear on that. Yeah, it's funny. You and I, we were both at the Ole Miss-Arkansas game. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that I walked away from that game feeling like, man, Ole Miss just beat a terrible team. Right. 
I thought Arkansas is not terrible. They got some pieces. I mean, KJ Jefferson obviously is good. They're banged up at running back. You know, they they lost a guy that was on his way to being a freshman All SEC tight end. But what was it number eighteen that kind of filled that role? Ty Washington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's playing pretty darn well. I mean, at the position that he's playing, given the production or lack thereof that Mississippi State and Ole Miss, for the most part, have had at tight end, you, you wouldn't mind having him on your roster? No. No, no. I, I don't Mississippi know Mississippi State I would think, love to have that guy. Yeah. I'm not sure that they're as bad as people are kind of making them out to be defensively. Certainly not. You know where Arkansas Arkansas's issues? It's on the it's at both tackles. Honestly, is what I think it is, and they don't have that one wide receiver. That was the difference it's, in their games in Oxford and Baton Rouge that they couldn't protect KJ enough to make that throw. Yeah, they just I just think Arkansas is poorly coached on the offensive side of the ball. And that's that's the main issue. What they're doing offensively does not fit what KJ Jefferson's best strengths are. You know, they had a great offense the past couple of years with Kendall Bryles. That offense clicked because KJ Jefferson thrived in it. Now they're asking him to, you know, to do. They're asking him to do things. It's not him. Yeah. And they've they've made him less of a weapon in the running game. Obviously, Sanders not being there hurts, but they still have good backs. And look, I I think Dan Enos is the problem, the offensive coordinator, the play mm-hmm. caller. But ultimately, that makes Sam Pittman the problem because he's the guy that when he had to replace an offensive coordinator. That's who he chose. It made no sense. You're number one for sports talk. Anyone? 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 Come on, don't be shy. Sports talk, Mississippi. Bingo, man, bingo. Super talk, Mississippi. Four o'clock hour on Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us on this Tuesday, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Let's go back to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Our next guest is one of two in the history of the SEC to win the Triple Crown. He did that by leading the SEC in home runs and RBIs and batting average in his final season at Mississippi State. Uh, worked his way fairly quickly through the minor league system and for each of the last few years, going back to uh, 2020, has spent time in the big leagues. But this year was different. Brent Rooker more than doubled his number of career at-bats this season and was basically an everyday player for the Oakland Athletics, and he's kind enough to spend a few minutes with us this afternoon. Oh, there's one other thing. Brent Rooker is one of Brian Haydad's favorite all-time baseball players at Mississippi State. Brent, you're not the favorite. He has he, he has a shrine to Jake Mangum in his home, which is a little creepy, but you are <laughs> one of his favorites, and so we appreciate you spending a few minutes with us. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. Always happy to be here. Um, any Anytime I get mentioned with Jake, it's, it's always a good thing, so I'll take second or third or fourth or wherever you got me. Hey, so, Brent, I think the last time you and I visited was at the regional in Hattiesburg. David DeLucci and I were doing that regional on television, and we talked on the field after – I guess it was the the Thursday before the regional started, and you guys were prepping, and you were you, you were really interested to see where this baseball thing would go, and you were going to give it as long as it took. I, I think I remember say you saying that you might one day have some interest in coaching. 
If you rewind to that point, did you believe the year that you just had was possible? Uh, I mean, that's a good question. You know, you always have those the goals and the aspirations for yourself. Um, you know, at that point, um, goal number one was get drafted. Uh, goal number two was was make it to the big leagues, and then from there, just kind of see where it takes you. Um, and then, then the year that I had this year was something special. It's it's something at that point, um, honestly, I may have believed could have been possible. It's something that the last few years, kind of being um, bounced back and forth between AAA and the big leagues, not really finding any success in the big leagues. It might have been harder to believe, um, you know, honestly, last year or the year before than it was in 2017. So. It's been an interesting journey. Um, it's been a long one at times, but uh, you know this year was pretty special, and it, it paid off for sure. How is playing baseball in the big leagues different from playing baseball in the SEC? Um, guys are way better. <laughs> I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, that's kind of the, 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 the simplest answer. You hear there's kind of, I don't know if it's still, still said this way, but you hear when you're playing in the SEC that, um, the SEC is basically double-A competition, and that is just not the case at all. Uh, I think guys kind of realize that once you get into pro ball is is double-A and above is just it's a whole different level, and every step you take from double-A to the big leagues is kind of like playing a new sport. Um, the step between double-A and triple-A is huge. The step between triple-A and the big leagues is, I, I talk about, it, it feels like a whole different game um, that you're trying to play in the big leagues with just the quality of arms that are out there the speed the game moves, the amount of information available to you, the amount of information available to pitchers, the game plan for you um, is just in a completely different stratosphere, and you've got to make those adjustments to be able to stay and have to have any kind of success. Do you see a lot more sweepers in AAA versus AA versus the majors? Is that a real pitch? Yeah, it's, it's a real thing. We can, so we can get into that if you guys want to. Uh, yes. <laughs> Give uh, too much credit to all the deniers of, of new things or new labels or or um, you know new categories of pitches, whatever you want to call it. But just the, the types of I guess the types of pitches kind of stay the same, but the quality of pitches and the quality of execution of, of the pitches definitely um, takes a step up at each level. Let me ask you this, Brent. You know the playoffs going on right now. Are you one of those players that are you locked in watching the games, watching each each at bat, or are you one of those guys that's eh, I'm not in it, so I'm not interested? No, I'm watching every game. Um, I've got every game on. I'm pretty locked into what's going on. Uh, it's just it, it, it. I love watching the atmosphere. Um, I love watching the intensity of each pitch and how much rides on each pitch. The way the guys come in to approach the game and approach individual at bats is fun to watch. So. Um, I'm watching every pitch. I love watching the playoffs, and you know, hopefully in the next few years, um, I'm getting to experience playing in it. Brent, this is this is not a question about playing in Oakland because of the crowds, but it's it's more of a like big picture baseball question. I feel like regionally or locally, Major League Baseball is really really healthy, but nationally maybe less so until you get to the playoffs. Do you get that sense playing? 137 games this year that at the local level people really care and at the playoff when we get to the time for the playoffs people really care but in between that it's it's kind of there's a disconnect I don't know it's um, it's an interesting question I think I think you see you know traveling to all the different cities and and playing uh, I guess we play that I'm trying to think played in 22 or 23 different cities this year um, just kind of with the way the, the schedule worked out but you definitely see when you're at those places, the passion that each fan base and the passion each market has for its team, and that's cool to see. I think every ballpark atmosphere is different um, because every ballpark draws a different demographic and a different type of fan. 
Um, but I think seeing the uniqueness and the, and the, the differing, um, you know, styles of fandom throughout the country is really cool. And I think, like you talked about, um, each city's passion for its own team is, is, um, is, is remarkable. And it's something that, that, that I enjoy getting to experience and see the different parks. Um, as far as the national level, I think that the playoffs always are just going to draw a bigger market just because, like I said, the games are more intense. Um, you can tell, you know, when it's July 17th and you're playing game 102 or whatever it is that, you know, the, the, the crowd is more of just like a buzz. And then when a big moment happens, you'll get the roar and you get the cheers, but the game's more yeah. of just, it becomes a social event at times for Major League Baseball games. I think that's just the nature of a long season. But in the playoffs, uh, crowds and fans as a whole are reacting to every single pitch. And I think that's what part that's part of what makes the, the viewing experience um, so unique and so cool. Talk to us a little bit about the, the uniqueness for playing for Oakland, because that is a passionate fan base. It may not show up in big numbers in the ballpark, and obviously there, there's – I guess frustration along among a lot of the longtime Oakland fans about the team's imminent move to to Vegas, but that is a fan base that really really cares about baseball, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's one of the more passionate fan bases, if not the most passionate fan base in the league. Um, I think they showed that this year. I think I know, yeah, I know attendance numbers were low, um, but I think in terms of fan player relationships, I don't know if there's another fan base out there that makes you as a player feel more valued. Um, and more love than the Oakland fans do. They do a phenomenal job with that. The ones that are there um, know you by name. You get to know some of them by name. You really have a genuine relationship with a lot of those those season ticket holders and the the guys in the outfield. They're every single game. You get to know them throughout the year, and you get to um, you know have discourse with them, have conversations with them. And that's part of what makes that that fan base and the relationship between players and that fan base so cool. We're visiting with Brent Rooker. He's on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Brent, we, we saw a stat early in the playoffs that Mississippi State had the most players of any one school in the playoffs at, at that time. There's still one of your former teammates uh, playing right now, Nate Lowe, over there in Texas. Have you been? Have you had a chance to talk to him? Is he enjoying the ALCS experience? Uh, I don't think I've talked to Nate. Nate's one of my best friends. Um, we talk very, very often. I don't know if I've talked to him since the playoffs started, to be honest. Um, we played against each other, obviously, four different series this year, so 12, 15 games, whatever it was. Um, we hang out and talk all the time. He's, he's having another really good year and has really established himself as one of the premier hitters um, in the league, so it's always fun to watch him um, go do his thing on TV. But, yeah, I'll shoot him a text here if, if they continue to win. There's a congratulations getting the World Series, some things like that, but... Uh, that's one of the cool things about um, you know our program at Mississippi State is you can turn on the TV uh, to a major league game at any point during the year, playoffs included, and there's a pretty decent chance you're going to catch an alum um, out there continuing their career. So that's been pretty cool to, to follow and to see. Brent, you said a second ago, 22, 23 different cities. So I guess what 24 ballparks that you played in. Uh, give us the one that stands out the most. If there was a moment for you individually or a crowd or a park that you're like, man, that is different. Yeah, I love, um, as far as away parks go, I love Seattle. I think they got a beautiful stadium there. They do the crowds there. They draw really well. I love playing in Houston. Um, I think Minute Maid a, is a cool park. You know, you get the, the historic aspect of, of Fenway is awesome. Yankee Stadium is awesome. There's a ton of really good spots. Um, I think favorite stadium-wise is probably Seattle. Um, I think Houston is probably up there with with some of the best, one of the best atmospheres, um, as well as Yankee Stadium. So um, there's several that, that I enjoy going to, um, but I would, you know those are the ones that kind of stand out. What does the off season look like for you? 
Uh, right now, it's not much. I'm just kind of laying low, um, letting the, the body and mind decompress a little bit. I'll start working out. Uh, I think next week is my plan. Um, get back as far as weight room, running, that type of, type of stuff goes. Get back at get back at that next week, and then um, baseball wise, I'll hang off a little bit. I'll start hitting in December, throwing in December, kind of getting ramped up for spring training then. Um, but besides that, uh, not a lot going on. You know, you, you miss some time with your kid during the season, so I'm gonna hang out with her as much as I can, and um, just kind of enjoy being home and getting a little bit of a break. All right. So, what, what's home base for you in the off season? Uh, we're in Germantown, right outside Memphis, where, okay. uh, where I'm from. Okay. And that, that's, that's where you grew up, and, and you've kind of kept yeah. that as home too, right? Yeah, uh, we lived in Nashville for four years or so, um, and then back in Germantown now. Brent, congratulations on a phenomenal season. We wish you nothing but uh, continued growth and success, and appreciate you spending some time with us this afternoon. Really really cool. Yeah, thank you, guys. Appreciate you having me. That's Brent Rooker joining us on the Farm Bureau Guest Line, former Diamond Dog at Mississippi State, one of two Triple Crown winners in SEC baseball history and uh, coming off a big season that included 30 bombs this year for Rooker in Oakland. We're back with you after this. Talk Mississippi. Here we, here we go, go. Super Talk Mississippi. My apologies. I did not flip over to the ceasefire text line early enough to see the question asking what it was like to go deep off of Shoei Otani. Should have done that. Sorry about that. Missed your question. Maybe next time. Uh, he'll, he'll, he'll be back. Love your Mississippi guys in the majors interviews. Yeah, Brent's a, he's a great guy. And just, I mean, it's impossible not to be happy for success for, for a guy like that. Yeah. What you said, the first part is correct. You know, he's just a, he's just a down-home normal guy who can hit bombs. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you, you have a year like this. All right, so you, you bounce around the minors a little bit. It was about, what, three years, I guess, in the minor leagues, you know, following the 2017 season when he was drafted. So 18-19, yeah. kind of back and forth in, well, the 20 season was weird. That was a short season anyway. That uh, kind of goes up He's and down there. Too. Oh, was he injured in, in 20? Yeah. And then 21, a um, little more up and down. And then this season, it was it was up the whole way. The uh, the A's picked him up off of waivers after he was released last off season. So they picked him up in November of uh, of 23 or 22, and uh, spent the entire 23 season in uh, in Oakland. Um, really cool stuff. And but but hey, Dad, the the point now becomes all right, staying power. You're certainly getting a shot. I mean, if Oakland woke up tomorrow and they're like, eh, we don't need Brett Rooker, by tomorrow night he's with somebody else because he just hit 30 bombs in the big leagues. He can go over the the other side of the bay, no problem. Welcome with open arms. Get some power on that roster. Sure sure you would. That that last year that he played at Mississippi State, it was really special. Yeah, it was fun to watch. It was really fun to watch. That was a team that had no business playing postseason baseball with the with the injuries they had to the pitching staff, and he and yeah. Mangum just kind of drug that team to 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 success. Just ran out of gas there against an LSU, a great LSU team. 
He hit three eighty seven that year with twenty three bombs and eighty two runs batted in. Had a four ninety five on base percentage, slugged eight ten. Eight ten. So in addition to the twenty three home runs, he had thirty doubles, stole eighteen bases, mm-hmm. and uh, won the Ceasefire Ferris Trophy that year. In addition to being National Player of the Year from Collegiate Baseball and SEC Player of the Year, I mean it was just a it, it kind of a, a fairy tale season for uh, for Brent Rooker. Who are the middle infielders on that team? Ryan Gridley was it short? Was it Westberg? And at no, he wasn't there yet. Oh uh, gosh, Seth Heck, the guy that maybe? wore the white sleeves. John Holland is that his name? No, I'd have to go back and look. I don't remember the second baseman. I know Gridley's the shortstop. Yeah, and he was a really good player as well for for yeah. Mississippi State that year. I cannot not remember the second baseman's name. I can see him. Anyway, I'll let you figure that out and you throw it at me in a minute. Uh, Sports Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort studio, Pearl River Resort, home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. You can visit them online at dancingrabbitgolf.com to book your tee time. I mean, I I, I don't know how many times I can say it. I know it sounds like a broken record, but, I mean, the golf course today, yesterday, tomorrow, next week, forecast is phenomenal. Get out and enjoy Dancing Rabbit, the Oaks, and the Azaleas, and uh, book your tea time online at dancingrabbitgolf.com. Uh, Ceasefire, twi- Hunter Stovall. Hunter Stovall. That's, I was just about to say it. Yep. Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business. So, week six of the NFL came to a conclusion last night. It did. Did you see the conspiracy theory, by the way, that has been proven true? Did you watch the game? And I it was not. late. It, it was late. Yeah, so well, we had we, we had flag football last night. Game one of the season for flag football went quite well. Game two, less so. I hear tonight, you. Tonight we've got day two of a back-to-back, so we're, we're looking for a little... Well, bounce back performance tonight. So, yeah, that kind of threw a, a monkey wrench into the viewing. Yeah, you, you learn the most after a loss, though. I mean, it's a, well, a chance hoping. to yeah chance to reset and because we to left the... no doubt about whether or not <laughs> we were going to finish first place or second place last night. <laughs> so, uh, towards the end of the game, it was a close game. By the way, Justin Herbert, the stats nerds love him. Uh, he's the anti-clutch. He really is at this point in his career. He's the anti-clutch. I know there's other organizational stuff going on and questions about coaching or whatever, but, man, nobody disappears in big spots like Justin Herbert does. He's great from quarters one through three, and then the fourth quarter comes, and he becomes a poor man's Kirk Cousins. But anyway, towards the end of the game, they kept showing this fan front and center. Kirk Cousins is already the poor man's Kirk Cousins. My goodness. They kept showing this lady. Uh, Chargers fans, she got a jersey on, and she was intense, like in the game, and like all just like emotions and like gritting her face, moving her hands, and all the that. Picture. And they kept showing her over and over and over again to the point where people were like, "Okay, who is this lady? Is she like uh, the wife of the team owner or something? Like, who is this person?" And apparently, it was just a fan, and she was a just a big fan of the Chargers, and she and her husband have season tickets, and she goes to every game, and was on the Pat McAfee show earlier today. But people were. 
that was too convenient. She was too intense, and the stadium was just full of Cowboys fans. It was a Cowboys home game in Los Angeles, and they kept focusing on this one lady. Turns out that she has been, in the past, just as intense in her fandom for the Vikings. And so now people are wondering if she's an industry plant. That she was given tickets to the game and, you know, go crazy, act like an intense fan, and we will put you on television. If you will give you tickets, you go, you act like this, and you'll be the fan that's featured on TV. Because she's been that before for the Minnesota Vikings, and now people are pulling out the proof that she's been a Viking super fan in recent uh, games as well. Okay. The internet is a funny place sometimes, man. Yeah, but they kept got showing a lot of time her. on their hands. It was bizarre how much they kept showing her, and so people questioned, like, who is this lady? Well, they found her, and she's a Roger Goodell industry plant. I'm sure it was Roger Goodell's idea too to uh, <laughs> have her there. I'm sure it's been a lot of time coming up with uh, that plan. Uh, Dak threw for 272 and a touchdown last night. Cowboys are now four and two on the year. Uh, no interceptions. He was sacked five times. Herbert's numbers were just okay. Costly interception at the end of the game that uh, kind of took away any chance that the uh, Chargers had to come back and, and win that one. So let's run through the uh, the NFL from the weekend. You go back to Thursday night, you had the Chiefs over the Broncos. The early game in London was the Ravens and the Titans, and Baltimore won it 24-16 to improve to 4-2 and on the year. Titans are just not very good. And you know? No. And they're boring. They're boring. Tannehill's hurt mm-hmm. now. But, you know, sometimes people question, hand up, I question draft picks and am wrong. And then it happens. Drafting is not an exact science. But when they chose to not pay A.J. Brown, everybody was like, that's dumb. He's great. Why would you do that? And then let him go to Philly? That's dumb. And then look at what A.J. Brown's doing in Philly. They drafted a receiver that's not as good as A.J. Brown, and now they're having to rely on aging DeAndre Hopkins to give him something, and he's not A.J. Brown. And then for two straight years... By the way, did you see what the um, the Eagles added today? Yeah. Cal- 34-year-old Julio Jones? You sure, know? why not? Probably, probably not as good as he once was, but maybe as good once as he ever was. But he has a Which, third or fourth well, that's option. Because there's st- that's the problem though. There's still like ten games. You need you need him to be good ten times, not just once. But you don't need him to dominate anybody. Plus the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. But now so, you, you don't need him to do much of anything for the next ten games. You, you need him to make. One play in one playoff game, and the whole thing was worth it. Yeah, well, against a slot corner that only plays on third down, you know, because everybody else's attention is on the other receivers there. But so, so they do that, and everybody scratched their head, and it's not working out because that was obvious. And then they have questions at quarterback. Tannehill's okay, and that's all he is. And for two straight years, they draft the clear. This guy is overrated. It doesn't make sense why he's so popular, but he's not going to make it in the NFL. Two years in a row, and it's still not working, and they still have quarterback issues. Like the most obvious things that they chose to do, and they're not working. But everybody knew they wouldn't work, except for them. And so it was the guy that they drafted two years ago that wasn't any good that followed up uh, Ryan Tannehill last night. Malik Willis goes four for five. I'm sorry, on, on Sunday morning. And um, 
old Mr. Uh, eat a banana with the peel on and drink mayonnaise in your coffee, that's, uh, I guess he's, is he now the backup to Malik Willis? Yeah, he's running third. Hmm. Good luck with that. Commanders go to 3-3 three and three on the year with a 24-16 win over the Falcons. Vikings beat the Bears in a battle of one-win teams. That was in Chicago. Kirk Cousins. Yeah, the, the Kirk Cousins slander from you guys is just uncalled. Hey, I like Kirk Cousins. I've said that many times on this show. Very nice career. Vikings not you losing like that? games. Doesn't win at night. You like him? Not losing games because of Kirk Cousins. We'll be back. Now more Sports Talk Mississippi. It's go time. Sports Talk Mississippi. Well, say something. Super Talk Mississippi. All right, I want to I want to think through something out loud with you guys, and I, I want to. It's going to sound like I'm piling onto the Saints, but I'm not. Um. You, you, you guys were pretty. They're pretty worth excited. piling on right well, now. I, I, I understand, yeah. but but it's something that we should Pile have seen away. coming. You guys were pretty excited about Derek Carr in the offseason. not like over the moon excited, but you were pretty excited about the Saints getting Derek Carr, and it's because I think, not putting words in your mouth, but I think it's because it felt like a clear upgrade over what was there what had been there the last couple of years. But I can come up with only four examples currently in the NFL where a starting quarterback that was traded for is good. He wasn't traded for. Sorry? You mean like free, free agents? agents? Uh, oh. Okay. Um, that's fair. But still. I mean, it, it kind of pokes a hole in what I'm trying to say, but it, it kind of doesn't. And, and I mean, they so spent I, a lot of money on them. Yeah, so. I mean, tra- traded for is the word that I use, but where, where I'm really going with this is Teams don't let good quarterbacks leave, with very few exceptions. If the Raiders had wanted to keep him, they could have. But they chose not to re-sign him, therefore he was available on the market as a free agent. So, let's just walk through it. All right, Russell Wilson for the Broncos. And a lot of people thought, oh, Russell Wilson. He was on the decline when he left Seattle, and that's why Seattle was willing to let him go. And they got a Pat- king's ransom for that dude. They did. They did. Patrick Mahomes, obviously a star. Lamar Jackson, a star. Titans are a mess. They've drafted poorly. And, I mean, look, think about it. The last three quarterbacks that they've taken in the draft have been busts. And maybe that's a little unfair to say about Will Levis because it hasn't happened yet. I mean, it's only one year. But if you want to go back, what? How far is it? Eight years to um, the Oregon quarterback. Uh, Mariota? That didn't work out. Mm-mm. I mean, Tannehill kind of come becomes the quarterback by default, and people forget that he spent half his college career as a wide receiver before moving to quarterback at A&M. 
the Commanders. All right, Sam Howell. I like where things are headed with Sam Howell. I don't think you're going to see Washington trading him anytime soon. Falcons, Desmond Ritter, eh, I don't know. Would you be shocked if the Falcons traded away or let Desmond Ritter go after this original deal runs out? Well, depending on where they finish, they might even be in the mix for somebody like Michael Penix or Bo Nix. Perhaps. Perhaps, although I'm not sure the Falcons are as bad as you guys want to make them out to be. No, but they would be in that, that draft position of... Maybe they trade up to go get somebody like that. Or one of those guys they, possibly falls to them. So, Kirk Cousins... I think is one guy that was made available, traded for, picked up as a free agent that's a really good player. And they might be moving off of him after this Maybe. Bears are trying to make it work with Justin Fields. He's banged up. It's been a disaster for, what, since like Jim McMahon, a quarterback for the Bears. The quarterback play in that franchise's history is disastrous. Unbelievable. Really bad. The Seahawks are currently starting Geno Smith. Joe Burrow's a star. They drafted him. And they've already paid him. He's got to stay healthy somehow. He does. He does. Brock Purdy just suffered his first loss as a starter. I mean, let's be honest, the 49ers kind of lucked into that. No doubt. He was the second quarterback they took in that draft. I understand. I understand. I mean, give them credit for taking him, and then give him credit for taking advantage of the op- opportunity. And what did the 49ers do? They had an average quarterback at best, but they traded away. Trey Lance gone. Panthers are trying with Bryce. We'll see. You know, uh, the Panthers are, are the worst team in the NFL. There's a, a real chance they go 0-17. Guess what they don't have? Do they not have a, a draft pick? They don't have a draft pick because they traded to get... Yeah, the Bears have it. So the Bears might be picking one and two overall like the Texans last year. Wow. But they weren't one and give a point. They picked two and three. Yeah. Dolphins, Tua, it's really good. They're so much fun. Gosh, they're so much fun. Until his brain gets scrambled again. Yes. The Colts, uh, we're going to have to wait another year to see with Anthony Richardson. Yeah, there was was some upside. But he's done for the year, according to Jim Irsay. Looked promising, though. Yeah. 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 It, 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 I think it was better than than we gave it credit for. Because better than he was in Florida? No question. Yeah. Jags are really good at quarterback. They got their guy for a long time, and you can bet that Trevor Lawrence Thank is you. getting another contract. He practiced Texans. today, by the way, for uh, for Thursday night. Didn't it clearly wasn't 100%, like still may not go. He was heavily braced. But he did practice today. Yeah. Feels like the Texans struck gold for the second time in the draft. They struck gold when they took Deshaun Watson. And it feels like they struck gold with C.J. Stroud. Yeah. And Stroud, this is Saints 2023 in a nutshell, right? C.J. Stroud throws his first interception of the season. And the Saints fumble the return and give it back to the Texans. They, They finally turn him over. He throws an interception. And on the return, they give it back to him question for you. If Carolina had evaluated C.J. Stroud as number one overall and Bryce Young had gone two to the Texans, would he be having the same season in Houston that C.J. Stroud is having? And would C.J. Stroud be having the same struggles that Bryce Young is having? 
That's a good question. Because Thank you. And it's it's different, of course, because I, I, the, the Texans are better up front. Uh, I mean, they struggled a little bit on Sunday, but the Saints are the Saints defense with all the garbage that they put on the field this year. It's not defense. Um, but Bryce Young does things poorly that are not weapons based, are not offensive line based. His internal clock really needs to speed up. And you can tell that he hasn't adjusted to the speed of the NFL yet. There are times where he'll escape the pocket. Some being just gun shy, though, because possible. he knows what's in front of him is so bad. It's certainly possible. I mean, there, there are times, I mean, it's every week, basically, but where he'll escape the pocket and he'll get tracked down from behind. It's like, brother, you the defensive ends are as fast as you in this league. Yeah. It's, you it's you can't do that. Was. Different than it was. So the Cardinals are a mess at quarterback. they got Dobbs playing for him right now. Now, the Rams and Detroit on the other end. Are, I mean, you want to talk about a trade that worked for both sides? Um, Matt Stafford, when he can get healthy and stay healthy, is really, really good. And they won a Super Bowl with him. And Jared Goff has turned out to be really phenomenal for Detroit. Yep. People forgot he was the first pick in the draft. And got them to a Super Bowl. Went to a Super yeah. Bowl. He took the Rams to a Super Bowl. Now, granted, but they, they cheated to get there. They did. They cheated to get there. But they did go to the Super Bowl. And then they gave up on him. And, and you know, Stafford wins the Super Bowl. It worked out. But golf was never bad. Lions benefited big time from that. Did you see the Lions fans take over the stadium in Tampa? Did you see that? It was unbelievable. I mean, th- those people have had pent-up failure for how long? They're like, we are getting on this train and we are riding. <laughs> they took over the stadium in Tampa. Detroit, Tampa. They took the stadium over. It was unbelievable. Jalen Hurts has been better than anybody could have predicted. Good for the Eagles for their evaluation. And they the- use him correctly. Like you like you guys were talking about with K.J. Jefferson earlier. Yeah, They call to his strengths. He runs the football a lot. They get him in zone read stuff. They they treat it. They, they call games kind of like college almost. They, they look like a college offense. Did you, uh, did you see Dak on that zone read last night? That brought a tear to my eye. I thought it was 2014 all over again. <laughs> like, look at this man. They don't want to get him hurt. But too long, point, Dak. Man, let him yeah. run like that. All right, Pull so, it and so go. here's where I got a question mark in my theory about good quarterbacks, elite quarterbacks aren't traded. Okay. What the Jets? I mean, they did what they Don't thought know. was the right thing to do in going to get Aaron Rodgers, and he lasted four plays. Okay, it was that the was right thing to do. Deal. It was a freak accident. Yeah, imagine nothing you can do there. How yeah, good but, they would be had that not happened, though. They would be like five and one right now. Yeah. They would be riding high. AFC Super Bowl favorites, probably. I think the real point of all this, by the way, is that quarterback play is just down this year in in the NFL. Like, I have Mahomes on my fantasy team, and he hasn't had a monster game. Allen hasn't really had a monster game. Burrow hasn't had a monster game. The defenses are winning the first, you know, five, six weeks of the NFL season. Well, and, and the Saints issue is up front. They, they've got, what is it, four first-round picks and a second-round pick on their offensive line? And they are statistically the worst, if not one of the worst, in every meaningful offensive line category. The amount of draft capital they've spent up front for it to fail as bad as it has failed is a serious evaluation problem with the front office. Yeah. 
I think my biggest point in all of this is it's hard to go get a quarterback that is a franchise changer. You really need to draft one, and that means you either got to be at the top of the draft with good evaluations or you got to get really lucky. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. We're back right after this. It's time for more Sports Talk Mississippi. Finally. Finally. On Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. Hey, hey, Mom, said the way you move will make you sweat, will make you groove. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. You know, if you ever need evidence that it's impossible to please everybody all of the time, we spend very little time on this show on the NFL. Very little. We, we, we hit it each week, but it's usually a couple of segments worth over the course of a week. For what is unquestionably the most popular sport in America. Like, by a long shot. We're college football guys. We know most of you are college football people. That's where we focus. That's kind of an interesting quarterback conversation in the NFL, even if I was a little misguided with how it began. Now, the premise is still on it, though. And we got one text. Come on, guys. They're big-time college games this weekend. Can we move on? Now, there were like 20 texts chiming in with thoughts on the conversation. and So um, if, if that wasn't your flavor, we apologize. We have a large audience with different perspectives, and we try to different interests, and we try to hit a lot of things. We will always be. Mississippi State and Ole Miss and Southern Miss and then the SEC and then the rest of college football, then college baseball, then the NFL. And basketball could vault itself up the up the charts this year. Yeah, don't forget about hoops. A lot yeah. of excitement around here. I mean, I'm, I'm excited that we could potentially have a lot of really good basketball conversation this year. December, January, February, and into March. And, uh, you know, if you're a fan of the women's game, both Ole Miss and State in the preseason top 25. Good for them. Speaking of basketball, we um, we get the oh, – this is really going to infuriate some people. Sorry. Just just <laughs> hang for a second. This is a short segment. It'll be all right. College football fixes. The now. season starts – is it this month? Three weeks. So – yeah, it's in November, but but yeah, we're three weeks away from the start of the college basketball season. So we got exhibition games coming up. Yeah, yeah, we do. Uh, preseason All SEC and the predicted order of finish. First team All SEC. How many guys are in the starting lineup in basketball? Five. All right. Well, we Carry got seven one. on the first team All SEC so, squad. They'll beat anybody. I know, I know. They don't break ties. Whatever. Well, come up with a tiebreaker. Uh, Grant Nelson, senior forward from Alabama. Trayvon Brazil, sophomore forward for Arkansas. You remember he played at Missouri a couple of years ago as a freshman. 
was injured early last year at Arkansas. Big expectations for him. Janai Broom, the junior forward for Auburn. Are we going to keep doing this? Freshman guard from Kentucky, Justin Edwards. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Tolu Smith, Mississippi State. Santiago Vescovi, the fifth-year guard at Tennessee. Good player. And Texas A&M's Wade Taylor the fourth. He's listed as a junior. How's that possible? Played at Duke. COVID year, 21, 22. Maybe. Um, Wade Taylor the fourth at Texas A&M. Also a good player. Really good player. Uh, Second team, All-SEC. Senior guard at Alabama, Mark Sears. Senior guard at Arkansas, Devo Davis. Say what? He should be first team. Sears is really, really good. He's a good player. Um, Sophomore guard from Florida, Riley Kugel. Fifth-year guard from Kentucky, Antonio Reeves. Junior guard from Tennessee, Zakai Ziegler. Also a Really good player. So Some talent this year. There's something that stands out to me out of those 12 names, and it's this. Senior, junior, grad, fifth year, junior, senior, senior, fifth year, junior, junior. That is 10 of the 12 names in the SEC are juniors or older on the first and second team of all-conference squads. The one-and-dones aren't coming to Kentucky anymore. I mean, they just they just don't. They go to, they go to Duke. So th- those guys, or Kansas, yeah, those guys aren't, aren't here anymore to, to be first-team All-SEC. Predicted order of finish. Tennessee, number one. A&M, two. A&M's got to avoid a bad November, December. It has killed them Every the last year. two years. Every year. Got to play yeah. well out of the gate. Number three, Arkansas. Kentucky at four. Bama, five. Auburn, six. Mississippi State picks seventh. Wonder what they would have been picked if Tolu was healthy. Well, I was I was thinking even being there at seven, there's some people that are believing that, one, he's coming back and will make an impact when he does, and, two, there's some Chris Jans or, faith there. Or they said they're ballot in early, one of the two. Uh, Florida 8, Missouri 9, Ole Miss 10, Vandy 11, Georgia 12, LSU 13, South Carolina 14, and no Ole Miss has still not gotten uh, word on the waiver request for those two players that make them far better than the 10th best team in the This is a place for crazy people. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Clock hour on this Tuesday afternoon. Thank you for being with us. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Pearl River Resort 
is the home of the Sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. Learn more about them online at PearlRiverResort.com. Alongside Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. We'd love to hear from you on the C Spire text line. 601-879-4395 is the number. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from C Spire. Learn more at cspire.com slash business cspire customer inspired let's get to the college football fix college football fix is driven by ford and your local mississippi ford dealers log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built ford tough you can test drive one today at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. We do lines on Tuesdays, and so we'll look at the games in the SEC and some of the big national games this week as well. And then uh, coming up about 15 minutes from right now, we will get to our fishy line of the week, brought to you by PTG Outdoors. Tell you more about them coming up in just a few minutes. So, Mississippi State at Arkansas. And has this line seen just a touch of movement? No, yeah, it's dropped. It's dropped. It was at nine and a half. Now it's down to six and a half. Arkansas, a six, uh, most recently a six point favorite. So Oof. the Razorbacks laying six at home against Mississippi State. That, that is. That is, well, I'm just, that's what I'm thinking. It's like, that's money coming in for people seeing, hey, this Arkansas team has lost five in a row. Mississippi State's four and three. You know, why are they such a big favorite? Yeah, I'll take that. Good luck. Yeah, Maybe. so what? what is, I mean, it can't be Rocket Sanders, right? Because it's not like they've had him all year and suddenly he's out or. Right. Um, maybe the insiders know about some potential injury news in Starkville, maybe? It's possible. I, I think I said. I think I think it's just the the betting public is backing Mississippi State because of how poor Arkansas has played lately, and that's why the line is moving. That's pretty significant. If it if it got all the way up to nine and a half and it's come back down to six, yeah. Um, Tennessee and Alabama in Tuscaloosa. Alabama is a nine and a half point favorite over the Tennessee Vols. I feel like that's going to be a bloodbath. Do you? I do. Uh, I mean, we watched Tennessee in a win last week, and you know they were aided by a, you know, a really good punt and a bad A and M possession turned into a really short punt that was fielded inside of A and M territory that Tennessee returned for a touchdown. That's what won them that game. Dave Williams, pretty special. Yeah, he's special. He made both plays. He downed it at the one and then returned it for a touchdown. Yeah. Uh, you, you know how sometimes we say you can only get a team really up a few times a year? I feel like after what happened last year, and remember Nick Saban feared for his life walking off the field uh, because a sorority girl yelled something at one of his players, uh, they haven't forgotten how that went down last year, though. I feel like this is one of those games where you, you think that you can get your foot, you really get your team's full attention and get them up for this game. It's hard to do 11 a.m. against Arkansas coming off of three consecutive losses, but when you can show them the film of last year and how all that went down, you're probably going to get a really motivated Alabama team. It is a cigar game. 
And uh, I was actually glad to see that the cigar smoke from last year's Tennessee-Alabama game that hovered over Neyland Stadium had cleared um, yeah. prior to the week game this past weekend. The, the blimp shots were great. I, I mentioned that in Winners and Losers yesterday. <laughs> finally, uh, finally cleared. Missouri, seven-point favorite at home against South Carolina. That one's at 2.30 on the SEC Network. Six and one Missouri, two and four South Carolina in Como touchdown. Okay. The Mayor's Trophy, isn't there? Isn't that what it's called? The Mayor's Cup or something? You mean like the leader of a city or a uh a, a horse? Mayor or mayor? Mayor. M A Y O R. Because they're both Columbia. Uh, you you think the mayor's trophy with a, with a female horse would involve Kentucky? You would think. I just I, I was having trouble with your pronunciation there. Shane Beamer's going to be hot. Mayor? And, uh, you mayor. See, you're still saying. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So, so, so you're saying hold the mayor of Starkville? The mayor. The mayor. That's what I said. Mayor and mayor. I didn't know mayor and mayor. Those are the same word. You, you're you're kind of no, saying I the disagree. same word. Yeah, <laughs> I you disagree. Are. That's why I ask. Are we talking about like the, the city leaders of the uh, two Columbias, <laughs> my, or are we my, talking about yeah, uh, yeah. a horsey? My my wife got me the other day on a pronunciation. I've I've just been wrecked ever since then. So yeah, Shane Beamer's going to be the mayor in of your hometown. Hey, Dev, Lynn Sproul. on my hometown. Uh, it's still George Flags, isn't it? Yeah. He's a, a frequent guest here on uh, Super Talk. Wait, is he the mayor or the mayor? He he is the leader of the city, <laughs> as by popular vote. <laughs> what am I, I really, in my head, I'm hearing what, the way the word is pronounced. I don't know what to say. Say it again. Mayor. I've never thought you to be like a, a strong southern accent guy. I've never like been like, ooh, that syrupy southern accent of hey dad. I get it every now and then. And then we got the uh the mayor of my hometown is <laughs> I don't know what to <laughs> Oh goodness. Now he's giggling. <laughs> so the in, the, man uh, and... in, in the mayor's trophy game. Don't we have a, uh, I mean, even though it's now the Governor's Cup, don't we still yeah. have like some kind you of think, copyright well, on the Mayor's Trophy? You would think. Is, it, is, it, is that what it's called? I mean, we may have had this whole discussion trophy? for nothing. I would yeah, think if somebody came up with a new golden egg. gave to the winner of the Ole Miss-Mississippi State baseball series. Right, that, but can you copyright the name of a trophy? Well, I don't know. If If somebody came out with a new golden egg... Like this is we're playing for the golden egg. I think I don't know if it's a copyright, but there would be some issues. With oh, they that. would just get shamed out of it. Like uh, when Missouri baseball tried to do the left field lounge. Right, remember? Yeah, I gotta look it up. Remember yeah. when Missouri baseball made it? They called it the left field lounge, and they got shamed uh, off of that. Um, I'll try this one more time. Shane Beamer's going to be hobbled in this game. Do it's you, the Mayor's Cup, by the way. Mayor's Cup. Same difference. Yeah. He admitted today that after they lost to Florida, in the facility, he kicked something in frustration and broke his foot. Pulled an Aragorn. Was that before or after he blamed every 
unit on his team for the disastrous loss. I would assume after. They blamed his shoe. Wasn't cushioned yeah. enough. But that that's the thing, and I've been talking to South Common Carolina buddies about Armour. that because they asked me about his post-game comments where we call this, they don't run it, we had a perfect play call and it didn't work and that kind of stuff, and I said he's too emotional. Like, Nick Saban shows emotions on the sidelines, but he is very much under control. He He's in control of himself and of his team and of his emotions. Even if he's yelling at somebody, it's not um, it's not whiny emotional. It's anger emotion. Two different things. Shane Bieber, it seems like he cannot control that side of the emotional spectrum. That when something goes wrong, I mean, his sideline demeanor is so, it's whiny. And when you're throwing players under the bus and kicking stuff in the facility and breaking your foot as the head coach of the program, your team's play, what do they say in Remember the Titans? Attitude reflects leadership. Maybe there's a reason his team's mentally weak, because he is. Maybe. Maybe. I say that as somebody that likes him. I, I like a lot of things that he does, but, man, when, if you're kicking stuff he, and breaking your foot. He's a very likable guy, no doubt. Um, Ole Miss favored by six and a half on the Plains against the Auburn Tigers. And LSU favored by ooh, – ooh, oh, LSU favored by 30 at home against Army. Can Army control the clock? That's the only thing they've got going what, what, for them. What is the final score that makes LSU unpatriotic? <laughs> I mean, doesn't there come a point where you got to shut it down because... You're, you're running it up on Army? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that makes you um, not, not, not a great person. All right, we'll get to the fishy line of the week when we come back, and we'll take a look at some more of these games as well. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort studio. Mississippi, your all-access pass to all things sports in Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi on the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. You're going to be part of the conversation. You can join us on the Ceasefire text line at 601 879 4395. Glad to have you along for the ride this afternoon. It is time for us to take a look at the fishy line of the week. It's Tuesday, it's the Fishy Line of the Week, and it's brought to you by PTG Outdoors, one of Mississippi's best stores for outdoorsmen. If you want to be on the water, you need to be at PTG Outdoors. The brands that they carry are Camus and Thor Boats and Mercury Marine Motors of all shapes and sizes. They're your Garmin authorized warranty retailer, so you're guaranteed to find the big fish wherever you drop anchor. Two locations to serve you, one in Greenville, one in Grenada, 
You can find them online as well at ptgoutdoors.com. That's ptgoutdoors.com. PTG Outdoors brings you the fishy line of the week. And I would also remind you about PTG Outdoors that um, they are your Mercury Marine Warranty Center. And uh, if you want to call them, you can do so at 662-459-9311, 662-459-9311. So the point of this activity, I feel like I need to explain it, because it, it's just when we look at the number on a game, we look at one team favored over the other by a certain number of points, and you're like, that doesn't really make sense. The number should be bigger. The number should be smaller. Maybe you think the wrong team is favored. All those things are on the table. So it's not like a single criteria. It's just when we look at the point spread or maybe the total number of points in a game, and you go, that just doesn't make sense. Smells a little fishy. So, Michael Borky. Start us off with your fishy line of the week. The aforementioned battle for the mayor's horse trophy. Uh, South Carolina is coming off of a devastating loss to Florida where they totally collapsed, and they have fallen to 2-4. and four. Meanwhile, Missouri beats up on Kentucky, and they are at home, and they're only a seven-point favorite over South Carolina? That one doesn't make any sense at all. You would think, or at least I would think, that that would be a a double-digit, at least two-score, maybe even a two-touchdown line, considering the state of the two teams going into this game, and it's only seven. Why is it only seven? That's a good question. It's a good question. A little fishy. Hey, Dad, your fishy line of the week? Yeah. You know, I know some will uh, be convinced I'm going for a reverse jinx or something here, but I I just have no idea. I have no idea why Ole Miss is only a a six-and-a-half-point favorite over the Auburn Tigers. Auburn cannot score, and Ole Miss scores in bunches. Even if it's a low-scoring game, I think Ole Miss will win by double digits in this one. And I'll just go ahead and let you know that as we get closer to Friday, I think the Rebels are going to win this game very comfortably. So, yeah, being only six and a half, I'm just not seeing a close game out there on the Plains at all. I am going to round one of the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy Series. This weekend, Navy is hosting Air Force. Air Force leads the country in rushing. They scored 42 in a win over Robert Morris. Okay, throw that one out. 13-3 13-3 to over Sam Houston. That one's a little concerning. But they beat Utah State by 18. They beat San Jose State by 25. They beat San Diego State by 39. And they just went on the road. Actually, it was at home. They beat Wyoming this week by a touchdown. And that's a pretty good Wyoming team. I really like this Navy team. I do. I like Brian Newberry. I like their staff. I love their players. But here's the problem. Navy's best quarterback, um, Brent Horvath, is out for an extended period of time with a broken thumb. He broke it two games ago. And so that leaves Navy with Ty Lavatai, who does not do a good job running the option. 
and the true freshman Braxton Woodson, who is a true freshman trying to run this offense. Now, Navy's defense is good, but I don't know that they've faced a team that runs the ball the way Air Force does. Navy is giving up 10. And I know it's a double-digit line, and so you're like, eh, come on, Richard, is that really? I just don't think that's enough points. I think this is a game where the Air Force Academy should be at least a two-score, a two-score favorite. Game's on CBS at 11 a.m. Fishy line, Air Force, laying yeah. ten and a half. It should be bigger than that. There's one problem with your theory. Air Force starting quarterback Zach Larrier is out for this game. <sighs> well, in that case, the under, under 36 and a half <laughs> might be the right play. Uh what are our thoughts on Minnesota Iowa under thirty one and a half? I like it actually. That is one of the sickest things I've ever seen. Remember last year that what was the uh, the Music City Bowl it was Iowa and Kentucky, and I was like, whatever the under is, just hammer it. It's good, and it hit. It hit easily. This is another one, I think. I mean, thirty one and a half. So 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 a twenty-one to ten win does not hit does the not over. cover does not hit the over yeah you know seventeen to fourteen doesn't hit the over nah. and would you be surprised if Iowa won this game I don't know nineteen to five something like that yeah. I mean, I just picked the like the the oddest scoreigami type score would, I could come up with. Would Iowa, if Iowa's offense was average, whatever the middle, how many teams are in are in FBS? One hundred thirty three. If they were seventieth, would they be the number one team in the nation? Probably. <laughs> No, no, if they that, wouldn't. If you, they wouldn't be because of the schedule they've played. They, they haven't played. They, but they'd be in the top five, team and they got smoked. They'd be in the top five, and I would. I would tell you right now that you couldn't count them out against Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, any of those teams. No way. If they were just any good on offense, because that defense is elite. Yeah. Hey, this is it's not elite. an original thought. I, I heard somebody else say this. I just can't remember who because I certainly would credit it. The. Broyles Award for the Assistant Coach of the Year should absolutely... <laughs> Whoever the defensive coordinator is. Yeah. Phil Parker. Phil Parker yeah. is the leader by 722 Rename the award. Right now. It's now the Phil Parker Award. It's just a picture. The trophy is just a... It's just him staring at Brian Ferentz like, could you do something? And they lost their tight end uh, out for the season today. Yeah. Hey, Dad. Um, so Borky and I debated this a bit on Friday last week, and no. my thought was, I wasn't here. If yeah, no, that's why I wanted to bring you into this uh, into this conversation. My thought was, if Iowa just keeps on winning, and they go to the Big Ten championship game and they lose, so they go eleven and one. 
in the regular season, mm-hmm. losing the Big Ten championship mm-hmm. game, go to the, I don't know, Orange Bowl, whatever. Yeah. Are you still firing Brian Ferentz because they didn't hit question. 25 points per game? So, I would. Because I would look at it and go, we could have won a national title if you were any good at your job. That's how I would that's how I would do it. Now the problem is Kirk Ferentz will probably get in the way of that. And they probably won't fire him. And they'll be like, Look, yeah, we struggled offensively, but we had a great season and we're not gonna we're not gonna upset the apple cart here. But I would. I would just be like, We would have easily, easily been the best team in the country if you were just average. I didn't even ask him to be good, just be average. So Borky and Hey Dad gave you good fishy lines, and mine was uh, completely thrown to the uh, pigsty because uh, I missed that Air Force's starting quarterback was out this week. Uh, regardless, you don't the, know fishy, ball. The, the fishy line of the week is brought to you by PTG Outdoors, ptgoutdoors.com, locations in Greenville and Grenada, or you can call them online, at, or uh, call them, not online, at 662-459-9311. You could Skype. I guess you could. I suppose you could do that. Let's look at some of the national games uh, this week as well. We'll do that when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Might hear from coaches also in the Pearl River Resort Studio. We're back after this. Sports talk in the state. The best thing. Say that again. We the best on three. One, two, three. We the best. Sports talk Mississippi. Super talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. They've got new colors this fall, including this uh, nice blue that I'm wearing today. You can uh, find them online at genteelapparel.com. Don't forget about the collegiate collection. Uh, there is a really good chance that the team you follow is available, as they have added a ton of teams to the collegiate collection at Genteel Apparel. Also, new fall merchandise is and great-looking quarter zips, a lot of different styles, and uh, some really good jackets and vests. Also, genteelapparel.com. I have hesitated to a- answer this question other than just, like, copying and pasting from the SEC's website. But we are more frequently getting the answer to the question from, or the asked the question from people that are Ole Miss fans Quick hypothetical, if Ole Miss, Alabama, and LSU finished in a three-way tie at 7-1 and one atop the SEC Western Division standings, who would go to the SEC championship game? In the event of a three-team division tie, these are the tiebreakers. Combined head-to-head record among the teams. In this scenario... The way you play it out, you would have Ole Miss with a win over LSU and a loss over Alabama, a loss to Alabama, LSU with a loss to Ole Miss and a win over Alabama, Alabama with a win over Ole Miss and a loss to LSU. Therefore, you would go to the next record of the tied teams within the division. 
all of them would have a division loss. Then you would go to tiebreaker number three, head-to-head competition against the team within the division with the best overall conference record. Again, you would go to the next one because all of them would be 7-1 and one in that scenario. And those three would be tied for first. Uh, overall conference record against non-divisional teams. They all would be 2-0 and oh against non-divisional teams in that scenario. Then you go to combined record against all common non-divisional teams. Wouldn't matter because they would all have the same record. Then you go record against the common non-divisional team with the best overall conference record. This is, is most likely where Ole Miss wins the tiebreaker because playing this scenario out the way you have laid it out in your question, Ole Miss would have a win over Georgia from the East who likely would have the best record from the East. Unless Tennessee ran the table the rest of the way and beat Georgia head-to-head, and then it could come down to Tennessee, in which case Alabama would have a win over Tennessee, and Tennessee would have the tiebreaker over Georgia in the East. So, I mean, if you're an Ole Miss fan, you pull for Georgia not to lose, and in that three-team scenario. I was talking to somebody, Borky, yesterday, and... There's an argument to be made. Now, I understand Ole Miss has never been to the SEC championship game, and that is something that in the final year of division winners, you'd love to get there, right? You you would love to play in that game. But if you're thinking bigger picture than that, and we're just going with this scenario that we're talking about here where Ole Miss doesn't lose again, you might prefer for Alabama to win out and go play Georgia in the SEC championship game. And have an 11 and 1 record where you don't have to play Georgia for a second time in less than a month. Yep. And take your chances on being the four seed in the playoff. I agree with that. You make it really easy on yourself and, and just have Tennessee beat Alabama for you this weekend and just sort of then LSU wins and there's no issues. Yeah. Then, then, then there's. If, no if you're an Ole Miss fan, I'm not a big fan of the whole you should cheer for aren't things, but if you're an Ole Miss fan, you should be big orange. You should be breaking out the big orange overalls and and singing Rocky Top all weekend long. Yeah, it's future tripping a bit, but uh, what we say here impacts the games uh, not at all. So uh, that Georgia game, it's still a free shot without Brock Bowers. It's a free shot. You don't expect to win. It's the I mean, the the acquisition of talent at Georgia has been unparalleled over the last few years, and it's on the road. Without Brock Bowers, though, it does at least it should change the way you think of that game, at least to some degree, because he is not, well, they've got a five star behind him and they're going to be fine. No, that's not, there's no Brock Bowers on that team besides him. It's not a situation where Alabama there's, loses there's a linebacker. Not Brock Bowers in college football. Nope. And, and they've got depth issues there, too, with a, an injury behind him. And his backup's not him. I mean, he, he's unique and he's special. And saved them from losing to Auburn, by the way. So, yeah, that does change. I meant to ask that question. Do we think, does does Auburn beat Georgia if Brock Bowers doesn't play? There's a real chance. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. The fact that you're saying maybe is 
enough to make you realize how valuable Brock Bowers is. Oh, yeah. And I've been thinking about this with the Ole Miss-Auburn game, by the way, because uh, Lane didn't take the bait in the press conference yesterday. He hadn't done anything on Twitter either. Um, and for whatever it's worth, I watched a good bit of Hughes' press conference, but after you know, 17, 18 minutes and I look at the video and there's seven more minutes to go, I've kind of heard it all. He didn't really dive into stuff like that either. He did kind of take a shot where he said it's good to see Ole Miss back being a top 25 program. Just wish somebody could have said, hey, Hugh, why did they stop being one? But anyway, a lot of emotions in the game with, with head coach. And Ole Miss fans are worried. Well, uh, Hugh's going to really want this one. He's going to have tricks up his sleeve and all that stuff. And it didn't really work like that. But people are, are concerned about the the desire of of Hugh Freeze and him wanting this game, and it's going to elevate Auburn to to a level that Ole Miss will lose to. But how much of that actually factors into the way you think about this game at all? How much does the way the Hugh Freeze tenure ended in shame impact the game at all? With, with my hands, if you're watching on the Super Talk, big TV, Oregon fan, it's it's cross. That that is not an Oregon O. That is a zero. It, it has zero factor in this game. I, th- I think it's just for the fans. It's just for the fans. This isn't Tuberville where everybody on that team was somebody he recruited. This, this isn't that. This is Hugh Freeze was the coach before the coach that I, I signed with or the coach two coaches ago that I signed with. And the, yeah. the concept of him having... Well, he's going to have special stuff for this game. He had a bye week before they played in Baton Rouge. Are, are you? And I'm only speaking, I think, to a small percentage of Ole Miss fans. But if I'm not, if there's more of you, then they had a close game against Georgia. Would have been a signature win in his first season. You think he held stuff back to save it for Ole Miss that day? He had a bye week going into Baton Rouge. You think he held stuff back playing LSU? To save something special for no, Ole Miss, and if you want to go back to Hugh Freeze's time at Ole Miss, you can you can find him talking about how special it was playing against LSU, and and kind of what that place meant and all that stuff. No, that's yeah. No. I mean, of course, you scheme differently based on your opponent and stuff like that. But this idea that he is just I was about to make a bad reference, and I'm glad I didn't. He's not a magician. He can't magically make Peyton Thorne great. I, I would expect to see a lot of Robbie Ashford, but to this point, he hasn't shown you a lot of Robbie Ashford, so why would he change his mind now? But even still, he can't just magically, on Saturday, make them good. He's a good coach. He's not a miracle worker. Here's a shot, despite what he thinks. He's not one. <laughs> He's limited on on personnel at the moment. Two years from now, I will th- you don't want to play a Hugh Freeze coached Auburn offense. I don't think right now you're afraid of them. I will say though that, and I'm so supportive that players. Yeah, that, that Freeze kind of has the the leech thing going, where he he loses one he shouldn't, and he he's he wins one he shouldn't. He hasn't lost one he shouldn't yet either. I don't know that he will. I mean, will they lose to Vanderbilt? But. He he usually finds in a season he finds a game where you're like oh wow that was a big upset and this would be an, this would be an opportunity for that I don't think it's going to happen I'm just saying that he in his career has usually found that game he has, he's not supposed to win that he could 
the one he's supposed to lose or win that he loses might be two weeks from now with Mississippi State. Yeah. Shouldn't he be more mad at Mississippi State than Ole Miss? You would think. I mean, I it's, not, it's not Ole Miss that was responsible for the downfall of his career in Oxford. You know who he should be mad at? Take a look in the mirror, big boy. Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. I'm, I understand, but I'm saying if you're looking at an external source at, at which to yes. harbor anger. Yes. Hey, by the way, oh, when yeah, I, I... as soon as I finish the tiebreaker scenario, mm-hmm. I got a buddy that texted me. He's like, hey, what if Bama loses to UT and LSU? LSU loses to A&M, and we lose to Georgia. <laughs> like, well, you're back to the three-team tiebreaker scenario, but I haven't played that one all the way out. I'll be happy to send you the link. Let me, let me know. You figure Sports it Talk, out, yeah. Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We'll wrap it up with you coming up next right here in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Talk Mississippi. Sports. Sports. On your radio and in the game. Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Don't forget, a couple of weekends of big stuff remaining in October at M Trade Park in Oxford. Visit their website, mtradepark.com. This weekend, it's the Mississippi Bombers Southeast Fall Invite. Big, big, big softball weekend there for the uh, Bombers Southeast Fall Invite. And then next weekend, a USSA baseball tournament weekend. That's October 27th, 28th, and 29th coincides with uh, home football uh, that weekend as well. It is the Rackham and Stackham tournament. So far, 80 teams are uh, signed up for that tournament. For a lot of teams, it's going to be the uh, the end of their fall season. Uh, make sure that your team is involved as well. So if you're involved with scheduling for your son's team or your daughter's team, uh, or maybe you're the coach of one of those teams, Check them out, mtradepark.com. If you're going to play, play mtrade. Don't forget you got Southern Miss football coming up tonight, 6.30, so about a half an hour from now for kickoff between the Golden Eagles and South Alabama. Totally, that game is 51.5, and South Alabama is an 18.5-point favorite. I'm sorry, you'll be doing what? I'll be at work. Oh, this is uh, serving the tables night. Yeah. You excited? Yeah, I'm gonna be cur- I'm just taking a cursory grant glance in the bar every now and then. It's like, what's the score of that game? What's going on? Um, yeah, I'm excited. Nervous? Yeah. No, I, I don't think that I'm gonna be like you know having the tray with you know the eight entrees on it, or I'm not gonna have to do the Mexican restaurant thing and stack them up on my arm or anything. I, I would think like I'm to just see kind you of there for, that, for comic rel- I would not because food would fly everywhere. Please, I'd for the content, do that at all. Would you walk out and be like, hot plate, hot plate? It's very hot, sir. 
Will there ah. be uh, beers served? Because you could do the Oktoberfest thing and grab. All right, someone brought that up, and pints. again, no. The only thing I really want to do is the whole. I want to go uh, fresh ground pepper. Sort of. Tell me what's going to be that. Yeah. Say, say when when the pepper. Are you going to talk like your normal self, or are you going to impersonate other uh, caricatures of servers? I, I might. I don't know. I may act like I'm the mayor. Yeah. Well. Shouldn't shouldn't have too much trouble being a giant. Never mind. <laughs> All in the same family. Hey, ah. if you are in the market for a new vehicle, and for some of you, we are closing in on the end of the year, and you may have a capital purchase that you need to make during the fourth quarter, let me point you to my friends at Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota on Highway 6 West in Oxford. Now, if you're asking me for a recommendation, not only do I send you to Belk Ford, but I'm sending you to the F-150. It's the best-selling truck in America for almost five decades. I was like 44 straight years. Uh, I'm a big Ford F-150 fan and have been for a uh, long time. Go ahead, tell your jokes about truck needs to be washed, get a new one. I'm not, not saying that. i just big, big fan of the Ford F-150 and not because... Uh, Belk is a partner of ours here on Sports Talk Mississippi. Check them out, though. Family-owned company. They have been for over a century. They've been a Ford dealership since 1961. They're going to treat you like family. They've got the service after the sale that not only need but uh, that you expect with uh, routine stuff like oil changes and tire rotations, but also uh, the major stuff. And it doesn't matter if you bought your vehicle from them. You can still use the service department at Belk Ford. And finally, uh, if convenience is what you need, well, they've got this new opera or a new service for you where they will come to your home or your business, pick up your vehicle, bring it in for the routine maintenance, and then return it to you when it is done. You, of course, have to pay for the maintenance, but the delivery, the pickup and the delivery is free. Belk Ford, Highway and 6 West in Oxford. Of course, you'd also get the Richard Cross package with that where they will pick up your car, do the maintenance, and then bring you a new car. Look, like it never I, usually, I usually don't do that, hey, Dad, until it's time to buy new tires. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Richard buys a new truck, and then like two weeks later, Jane's like, why are we taking this dirt road? Oh, no reason. <laughs> it's not for washing the vehicle. But, hey, look, when you got to spend. That's what, was, that's what I was told. Every time it gets a little dirt yeah. on it, oh, no, time yeah. to go. No, no, no. But. Check them out. Elk Ford, Oxford Toyota, <laughs> Highway 6 West in Oxford. I have I uh, have done that before. It was time to buy new tires, and I was like, this new set of tires is going to be $1,400. Hey, what's the trade-in uh, value on this? Yeah, what I was just, my payment do? Wait, payment only uh, changes by $12 a month? Sign me up. Let's get a new one. I have 100% done that. Uh, and if that's how it's you America, roll, they'll take care of you. Um, Let me fix my camera there. Well, guys, Southern Miss, can they pull the upset tonight? I hope so. No. Silence say was no. deafening, say and then yes. Um, well, you know, you lace them up, and you you got to play the game. Dan at Hattiesburg, fresh parmesan, sure, sir. <laughs> Jeff says, fresh "Let's parmesan? try to not lose by 40. All right. Thanks for being with us. Enjoy your Tuesday evening. We'll be back with you tomorrow for the Wednesday edition of Sports Talk Mississippi right here in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Good night.
Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.